Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You listen to the coaches panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey, friends, you've got MJ from the coaches panel, and a fascinating player for us to look at today in the 50 most relevant, number 37. Gosh, we're making our way through this almost a third of the way through. Jared Lyons. He was elite for us last year. He was one of the best midfielders. And why is it nobody's talking about him? Yeah, I know he might be relatively low in the 50 most relevant based on what he's delivered. But you got to talk about Jared Lyons this preseason. And that's almost the whole idea of this podcast and, and the article at coachespanel.tv is, at the very least, consider what Jared Lyons could be. Joining me back on this episode, he's been on a few times now throughout the 50 Most Relevant. He'll be on a bunch more before we round out the 50. I've got Kane back. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. Another player that's awfully interesting and another one that probably flies under the radar, like you mentioned, that doesn't seem like anyone ever really gets on to reach the rewards of the numbers that this guy puts up. Nobody's deep diving into Jared Lyons. There, there is a there is a narrative that exists that it was everything worked out for him. No Neil. He had the monopoly. He had the... It, and some of those things I think have some credit. But I also think there's some myths in there that hopefully along the way throughout this episode will bust some of those. Let's let's dive into what he did deliver for us last year. 29 years of age as a midfielder and he gave us his career high AFL fantasy scores last year in AFL Dream Team scores. It was a 161 against the North Melbourne Footy Club while his top supercoach score last year was a 152. That's not though his career supercoach score though. His career ever score was a 165 against the Kangaroos all the way back in 2019. And last year's PB was a career PB, 161 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He's pricey, that's for sure. Priced at 117 across the format for you. And he's going to set you back $640,100 in Supercoach, just over $980,000 in AFL Fantasy. And he just misses out being the third million dollar player in Dream Team at $998,400. And Kane, our Patreons will be aware of this because you and I put together a list of the 50 best Keeper League prospects to go out and own and to pursue. And we kind of put them into, I think it was seven or eight different tiers. We're not going to give away where we had Jared Lyons. If you want to join the Patreon supporter group at coachespanel.tv, you can go and check that out. But one of the things you and I were bullish on talking about of targeting and identifying players in keeper leagues is you want a guy that can score in every capacity, in every column, that if something gets limited, whether it's tackles drop off or marks drop off or kicks drop off, they still find a way to deliver premium scores. And arguably, Jared Lyons is probably one of the best components of those multi-column scoring across all the formats. Yeah, exactly how you draw it up, MJ. You know, this is a guy that last year averaged 16 kicks, 12 handballs, 28 touches right there, five marks, seven tackles, and, and half a goal a game. Yeah. So that's it's about as good as you can get. Another thing that we did touch on in, in that Keeper League podcast was if you can get your marks, your tackles, 
and your goal tally. Yeah, those three. Double digits collectively. You're a really good chance to be a 110 guy. So it's probably no surprise with Jared Lyons over 12 <laughs> that he is one of the best midfielders and scorers in the game. And like you mentioned, um, he's just really hard to stop for that reason. And mm. stop, I mean, stop scoring because he's never out of it. And he's a guy that doesn't even play that much time on ground relative no. to some of the other mids. He's a guy that really hovers in the, the low 80s. Um, and I think the thing you notice with him is when he's on the field, he almost seems to be scoring. Like, he's such a good tackler. He gets so many holding the balls from that. He's always getting those little squirty kicks out of packs and out of yeah. congestion. And you just think, it's just always ticking over. It's just always ticking over when he's on the ground at his score. And um, he's a player that's never going to get the tag. Never. Yep. In that midfield, not with Zorko, not with McCluggage, not with Neil. No. Um, all of those guys. And again, not to say he's not damaging, but it's the nature of how, how he scores. Yeah. It's not, it's not conducive to tagging to limit a player like Jared Lyons. Um, so as a result, he doesn't get that attention. And again, the low score of 84, four of his other in scores DT, were yeah. tons were 90 plus, and you throw in 16 tons in DT. Like that is just. You want a player that's at this price and at this average to be a captaincy option. And he is. And that's exactly what Lyons is. He is a genuine captaincy option every time he takes the field. Yeah, it's so true, man. You mentioned that. That average of 117 in Dream Team and Fantasy. 16 tons, 10 over 120, 4 over 140. To put that into some percentages, 62% of times last year that he turned up, he turned that into something you probably could have put the captaincy on at over 120. Just the two scores under 90 all year and did not drop under 84. Like Jack Steele, the number one player in Dream Team and Fantasy, doesn't have the basement that he does and arguably might not have the same ceiling. Um, Pre-buy, if you want to look at his seasonal splits, he averaged in the first 12 games 111, so perfectly respectable. But in the final 10 games of the year after the buy, went at 123. And I think in the last five games of the year was the number one scoring player in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. He was elite. Third in that format for averages in the game. Only Tuke Miller and Jack Steele had higher averages. And he's ranked second for total points in Dream Team and Fantasy. Less than 100 points away from the number one player in that format of the game in Jack Steele. Let's talk about his super coach numbers before I get some more of your take um, on what he's like as a player. An average of 115. 19 tons in that format. He started the year with 10 consecutive hundreds. 11 tons over 120. 5 over 135. Just the three scores below 100 all year. And nothing under 81. Averaged 119 in the first 12 games. 115 in the last 10. Ranked 8th overall in Supercoach for averages. 6th for all midfielders. 7th for total points across Supercoach. And he scored more last year in Supercoach than Tom Mitchell, Sam Walsh, and Rory Laird. Oh, and just to re-highlight what we mentioned at the top about how he scores in every available column, just 6 times last year. Just 6 times. Knowing, remember, 19 Supercoach tons, 16 Dream Team and Fantasy tons. In only six games, did he have 30 possessions or more? So it's not like it's like unprecedented Matt Crouch, Tom Mitchell, you'll never achieve this possession count. He just 
gets it done everywhere. And, Kane, nobody's talking about him. No, he's certainly a player that hasn't mentioned off the top every day. It seems like the season goes by and we look at the average at the end of the season and we think, did anyone have him? Did no. anyone actually get to experience, you know, you mentioned that last five games, number one in the competition, average of 133. In dream team and fantasy, yeah. That was four clear of Jack Steele in second, who we know had a monster Back second half of the season. You look at the past two years, only Jack Steele and Jack McRae have scored more total points in DT. Yeah. So, this is a guy that pretty much has been at the real pointy end, clearly in the top eight midfielders. Yes, across and formats. Yet, you know, no, one's, no one's owning, no one's listening, and... It seems like every year we make excuses for why he can't do it again, and he and he proves us wrong. I, again, I think the one you mentioned at the start of the podcast was, you know, Lockie Neal didn't play as many games he usually does last year, but I looked at the numbers with Neal in the team and with Neal out of the team, it's and nothing. Jared don't change. You know, Jared was 117. Again, you want to know the player that actually did get changed by Neal's absence? It was actually Mitch Robinson. Yeah, he Mitch got Robinson. the boost. He went at 71 in the 15 games with Neil and went at 92 in seven games without him. So if you had him in draft and you picked up on that trend, he became a very easy player to start when Lockie Neal was out of the side. And, you know, if he was, if Neil was in the side, he was practically unfeelable. So mm. Jared Lyons is playing his role practically Beautiful. regardless of anyone else in the team. You know, he is, alongside Neil, their top centre bounce player. Yep. We just mentioned how he fills all the categories. I think it's the turnover in the other spot that is the most interesting at Brisbane. You know, Zorko was a regular last year. McCluggage, Barry Wentfit, Zach Bailey all got some time. Yep. And then the likes of Devin Robinson and, and Reese Matheson really only got opportunity With when injuries. Barry and Yeah, yeah when 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 Barry and Neil were out of the team. So um don't don't think that, you know, Jared Lyons is you know, rely. I think he's elevated himself to be one of their really important players. And you know, you know, with their forward line, giving it just some supply. You know, you give Charlie Cameron enough supply. You know, you give Joe Danaher enough supply. These type of guys, yeah, you're going to be in a lot of games. And that's exactly what Lions is good at. Like, and he he complements a Zorko Neil. He does. He doesn't. He doesn't take away all the stuff he does. He's a lot of grunt. You know, he doesn't need big time on ground. He can just come in and he just makes the most of his opportunity. He comes in, he scores when he's on, mm -hmm. he goes off, he helps the midfield. And as I mentioned, he doesn't get those tag games and we know no. how important that is. If you're, if you're throwing in a 60 or even a couple of sub-80 scores, it's really hard to be an elite premium. Yes. Because... You have to have such a big feeling to offset it, and it's just really, really tricky to do. So when Lyons doesn't get that attention, that's why he just goes about his season and keeps being his top scorer, and I don't see that changing. Well, that, And that's got to be the conversation for us because he scored, if we look over these past two years, he's had just seven games in Supercoach that he hasn't turned up. <laughs> that's 82% of the time. Like, that's in that McRae territory of conversion rate. It's not as strong in Dream Team and Fantasy due to the shortened quarters. And I don't think the adjusted averages do him justice because, as you mentioned, 
when he's on the field. He finds ways of junking in the era of what Tom Rockliffe and Dane Swan used to. His points per minute when he's on the field is absolutely sensational. But when we look at a guy that we are spending a lot of money on, like a lot of money on, is he durable? Well, the answer is yes. Does he score in all the key components we need a premium to? The answer is yes. Does he have a ceiling that is high enough to put the C or VC on most weeks to justify the high cash outlay in our starting squad? Well, the answer is yes. Is his basement scores high enough so that if he does happen to have a bad week, it's not taking away from those ceiling games? Well, yeah, he barely, in fact, I don't think he dropped under 80 all year across the formats. And then the kicker, which I suppose is maybe a double-edged sword, he's lowly owned, which means if he delivers the way he ended last year or delivered across the year, really, in totality, you're away with a gun captain, vice captain, no one owning. Like, the only format that's open right now is AFL Fantasy, is, and he's in just on 2% of teams. So that's the upside of this lowly ownership. I suppose the opposite angle, Kane, and I'm keen on your take on this, is if you do spend the amount of cash it will take to get Jared Lyons, and there's a little bit of a slower start, maybe it's because you believe Brisbane might drop a couple of their games early. Maybe it's because you do believe some of that center bounce rotation change. I don't think it does, but maybe that's the narrative you're telling yourself. Then all of a sudden... When a big premium slows early and it's unique, that's when it really hurts. Yeah, and again, that that risk is really for any any um, player, isn't it? Though? Yeah, you could say the same thing about anyone in the competition. You know, I think the good thing with lines is you know he's going to be there every week. Yes, I think at worst you're going to get a guy that's right on a top eight level. So he's not a guy that I see you going wow, this didn't work, and I'm going to have to trade him out. Like, you're just going to be stuck with him. You'll have mm. to build around him. Um, clearly, you're picking him because you want the hot stuff. That's why yes, you pick these that, guys. Exactly you know, right. If you're going line, you, you're probably not going to say, you can't have all of them. You know, you can't have all of them. So if you're, going to, if you're looking at the schedule and you think, yeah, I think maybe Miller starts slow, or I think there's con- concerns about him or any of the other really big midfielders, and you take lines, you are, you're chasing an end. You're hoping that even if it's just 10 points a week, maybe it's 10 points a week. And this is where it gets interesting with these really big price guys. Yeah. If that's his captaincy, 10 points a week can become 20. Now, as you mentioned, anytime you take a gamble like that, that 20 can be coming against you as well. Yes. But if you really believe, why is no one picking this guy? You know, the run home was incredible. Brisbane's a great team. I think he's going to fly out of the gate. Well, pick him. Back it in. Yep. And maybe you will be up 20 points a week on the pack. Correct. Just by having this unique player and putting the C on him. Um, again, there's only one person can win. So you've really got to take an educated guess and a punt some of the time. And I think Lions is a guy that people who pick him, that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping that there is a 40% ownership of a Steel or a McCray or, or a, a Miller. Or a yeah. Miller. And they're going against him. And I think they see the downside is, as I said, probably top eight, maybe even top six or top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the upside is 
yeah, he probably could he could be the number one scorer in the league. He, he has that yeah, build and he, and he finished the game in that fashion. So, um, yeah, and again, like we say with these guys, if he flies out of the gate, you hope you put people in a bind. You know, you get a guy that goes at 130 for the first five weeks, price goes up, people have to either let him go or pay overs. Yeah. Um, and that can be really, really tricky. So that's what a unique is. Yeah. It's always got a risk of burn you, but if you're, if you're chasing the point, yeah, that's a move you have to make at some point. It's You've got to differentiate is. yourself in some way. So yeah. um, I can't see anything that's a massive flag. Now, there's always someone of risk if it's a career year. Yep. You know, does that 160 become a 140? Does that 140 become a 120? Yeah. Um, and that's how the average falls away a little bit. Yep. Um, again, the floor can't really be improved upon. No. Um, that, that could be somewhat of a knock. But um, I think he's right around the mark. I think, again, in terms of picking him, squad structure is probably going to be... That's the definer, isn't it? You're probably going to have to... It's going to be hard to have more than two of Eel. Miller, Mitchell. McRae, yeah. Lyon. Like, you're probably only going to have two of the real big dogs. I think Neil's going to be irresistible at his price. Especially in Supercoach, um, yeah. Yeah, in Supercoach, he's almost a walker. Um, you know, there might be people who think a Walsh or a Brace or take that next step and match a Lions at a cheaper price. Yes. Uh, so there's a heap of reasons that you, you can skip on him, and I think of price is, is that primary reason. Yeah. Um, but again, we could be sitting here in 12 months saying another season where Jared Lyons was in less than 5% of teams for the whole year. Yeah, and he was in the top five midfielders across it. If you want to look at that first right. few weeks, because that is the key. If you're starting him, it's not only because you're trying to bank uh, that you think he's going to be among, if not the top midfielder in that echelon for the year, is you're banking on him flying out of the gate and going, I'm taking on a Took Miller or a Jack Steeler, a Jackson McRae, I'm banking on a narrative of them slowing a little bit and Lions continuing or increasing um, what he did. The, the first six weeks for Brisbane, they take on Port Adelaide um, at the Gabba, round two, Marvel Stadium. Again, this is obviously before any bubbles or COVID or anything like that. Essendon, round two. North Melbourne, round three, back at the Gabba. GMHBA against the Cats. That might be the danger game, um, given what he averaged last year in contrast to previous um encounters of other teams Collingwood at the Gabba round five and then the matchup that probably does get coaches a little bit excited is he does love to beat up on his old team Gold Coast and he's got them round six so I think that's the story you're telling yourself if you're starting is I think you know Took Miller let's pick one player rather than anything I think Took regresses um, because of ABCD reasons of emergence of other kids a less dependency on him Others in the back line playing a more centralised role. He doesn't need to float back there as much. I still see Lions junking here, there and everywhere. Neil's not impacting him. The the scoring differential in wins, I think the Lions start well because he does score better in wins than losses. So therefore, I will start Lions. That is the mindset of how you start him. But you, like you said brilliantly, to take him on, you go, well, I think, Josh Kelly, who we've already added in the 50 most relevant, who's got 10 points per game of value, is cheaper. So I'll jump on him. Or I'll jump on an Andy Brayshaw, who I think could be comparable. That's the reason you choose to take on Lions and look to him as an upgrade, is you think the guys that are 5, 10, 15 points cheaper will deliver what he does. Yeah, 
hundred percent NJ, and that's where it, that's where you have to differentiate between why people pick these players in salary caps and how they rank them yeah. in drafts because there has to be a cash consideration. You know, fifty k might might not sound like much, but if you're saving fifty k on all your premiums, <laughs> you can do a fair bit with five hundred k. You know, you can take a rookie to a premium. So that's where you really have to be frugal with your cash. Yeah, if you think a Kelly's going to be on par with Lions, we, you're not going to start Lions, are you? You know, no. you really have to think about the separation there. And um, I think it is hard to believe that there's more than three points to five points of upside in Lions. Mm. Uh, so I can really understand why some people are going to say, yep, I'm just going to wait and see. Yeah. If he falls to me at the right week when I'm upgrading and I can afford him, great. Yep. But it does get up. But I think in draft, oh yeah, uh, he's really interesting, and he's a guy that, with that average to his name, uh, you know, I think he's he's inside the top twenty-six. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, I agree. I, there's a world in Dream Team and Fantasy or Ultimate Footy leagues. I do see a world where he could be a first rounder, um, depending on how many coaches you have in your league. Um, I do see that world, but I probably think it's more likely in the second round somewhere is where he goes. But I, the downside, like the worst I could see him performing is one, 105 to 110. Like that's the worst I think he could go, barring injury. Let's think about him. How many mids are going to go before him? Miller, Steele, McRae, Mitchell will go before him. A- across the formats. The bo- the bowl, yes. Yep, across the so formats. That's fair. If we're doing a 10-team draft, I think Grundy's going to be in that first round. Probably Taranto or Duncan in the forward line, depending yep. on the formats. Maybe maybe yep. even Dunkley. Maybe yep. Yep. And again, some people will feel really good about maybe Jake Lloyd. Yep. So now, really, he's probably on the, the fringe of even sneaking into the first round. And again, we haven't even got to your Kelly, your Olivers, your Walshers. Mm-hmm. Neil, his teammate. Yeah, Merritt. You know, these type of guys that... Um, a lot of people feel really good about. So I think he's the guy where, uh, ideally, I reckon, yep. you've got pick one in the draft, you take a big boy, you, you, you take your steel, yep. tight, let's say. Yeah, sure. Your 10-team draft, you hang loose to about pick 20. And if he falls right into your lap, <laughs> happy days. And if he doesn't, you're probably going to get, you know, a merit and all of us. You know, Petrarca, one of these guys will also be there if he's, Oh, yes. If he's not. So um, I think, you know, you, you probably don't need to be really pushing the envelope on it. Um, but again, I think he, it's going to be hard for him to burn you, even if you took him at pick seven or eight, which is probably the earliest yeah. you could ever go. Um, it's probably not going to be much of a burn because, as you mentioned, 105 and 20, 20 plus games, like it's going to have to be a pretty severe injury for him to miss his. He's not prone to anything on based on his history, no, so not it has to be something out of the blue. But um, again, there's no there's no reason he couldn't be the number one scorer. Like I said, if he if he does keep going how he went post buy, then that would have had him number one last year. Um, again, you can say that for a lot of players different years, but he has shown long stretches. Yeah, um, of being an elite player, and I think in draft has probably been the place where people have enjoyed him the most. Yeah, for a long time, not just over the past two to a bit seasons. So, look, he, he's a fascinating player. And, and really, like we said at the top of the episode, the, the takeaway is this. At the very least, 
you've got to consider him because not enough people are. They're discounting him for whatever reason, and I think that's a myth to discount. He must be considered and looked at because he could be one of, if not the best midfielders for us in 2022. And so if you haven't looked at him, if you haven't considered him, about face and at least do that, if nothing else. Hey, Kane, appreciate your work today on the 50 Most Relevant. No worries, MJ. Thank you. Uh, a pleasure. If you want to read the article with all those stats and breakdowns that we talked about throughout this episode, you can at coachespanel.tv. It has got also all the links to join our Patreon supporter group where they were able to get this podcast 24 hours early. Yep, they're ahead of the game. It only takes a couple of bucks a month to get involved. All the links at coachespanel.tv. We're back again tomorrow with another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, number 36. And it's been a while since I've done a breakout player. Arguably, some might say I've not really done a breakout player that could become a premium in 2022 for the 50 most relevant yet. So fine. I'll do a breakout player. Is he, like all good breakout candidates, is he fool's gold? Or does he just need someone to give him an opportunity to prove that he is a premium performer and could be one of the best value picks if he fires in 2022. Who am I talking about? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.